0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: Hi everyone, this is Marty McDermott, the president of Franchise Interviews, and I can't start today's show without talking about the ISO 1002. You know, some people just love to complain, but companies have a responsibility to care. The International Organization for Standardization, ISO, has revised ISO 1002, the standard for complaint handling. This document enables organizations to foster a customer-focused environment, open the feedback, heightening their customer satisfaction. You can get the ISO 1002 standard from the American National Standards Institute, ANSI, the U.S. member body of ISO. Visit ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more. That's ANSI.org forward slash complain to learn more.
2: Franchise Interviews. From Eastern Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 13 years now, we've been asking the franchipreneurs the one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. Well, we're meeting with Rafael Alvarez, the founder of Atax, and Atax is a full-service income tax preparation business that represents and caters services towards the Hispanic community. Services include bookkeeping and accounting, driver's license assistance, notary services, and insurance analysis, helping to educate the community on the steps they need to ensure citizenship and financial success in the economy. I'm going to talk to Raphael about that in just a moment on Franchise Interviews. So stick around because we have a great show.
0: Franchise Teacher. Simply go to FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. That's FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032.
3: Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC,
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 13 years now, we've been asking the entrepreneurs one-on-one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. Well, we're meeting with Rafael Alvarez, the founder of Atax, and Atax is a full-service income tax preparation business that represents and caters services towards the Hispanic community. Hi, Rafael. How are you? Welcome to the show.
4: Hey, there. good morning, Marty. Thank you uh,
1: for having me. Uh, this is my pleasure, Raphael. We always like to ask our guests, where are you calling
4: from this morning, Raphael? Well, I'm calling from New York City. Um, our headquarters is uh, based
1: out of New York City, New York. Oh, uh, that's fantastic. My... Um my dad is actually from uh, the Bronx, Raphael, um, Holland Avenue, uh, Van Nest Avenue. Um, and, you know, so I, I, I know you guys kind of got your start in that area. So I'm always happy to have someone from New York to speak on the show. So it's great to have
4: you on the show today. Yeah, we have our flagship right now store. is uh, uh, in the Bronx, in the Marble Hill area near uh, okay. Riverdale. Um, oh, wow, yeah, that's fantastic. Right there, I guess. When you cross from... Yeah, from Manhattan to the Bronx, that little bridge there, right there. That's right. That's
1: fantastic. Uh, maybe, you know, you, you have an interesting story, Raphael. I thought, you know, maybe we can kind of like go back to the beginning and, you know, talk a little bit about the history or, you know, what was the catalyst for
4: ATAX? Well, actually, um, you know, I was born in, in, in the Dominican Republic. I came when mm-hmm. I was uh, pretty young, very young, very young. Uh, and I landed in Washington Heights, Northern Manhattan, that's where I grew up. So I went to college, uh, City College, City University of New York, and while I was there, actually uh, my my dad asked me to go with him to get his taxes done, and and the person that was preparing his taxes, his accountant, they were doing everything by hand. So Mm -hmm. I, I started kind of wondering why they were doing the taxes by hand when, they could have done it uh, computerized. And my dad told me, no, right. everybody's doing it by hand. So I started doing a little research and I found out that the IRS was getting ready to launch the, the program that we all know as E File, the electronic filing program. So mm-hmm. I saw a great opportunity and I started doing taxes. You know, the problem that I had back then was that I wanted to open up my first um, location. And I remember the day when I asked my dad that I needed $20,000 to open up a location in mm-hmm. northern Manhattan. That was a hundred and thirty fifth street and Amsterdam Avenue. And my dad told me, Are you out of your mind? Twenty thousand dollars? No way. You just gonna <laughs> you have no experience, business experience. You are just gonna blow right. my money now. You know, but I was very popular in college, believe it or not. I I said, Wow, nobody will lend me twenty, fifteen, five thousand dollars but I asked yeah. thirty five of my closest friends in college, each to lend me a thousand dollars and out of the thirty five eighteen says wow. yeah. So I took my eighteen thousand dollars I had $200 in my bank account, two computers and a fax machine. And, and and by the way, my mom, my mom was listening to that conversation when I asked my dad for the $20,000. She said to me, Hey, I hear that you want to open up a business. I don't know what kind of business it is, but you know, um, don't listen to the old man, just go ahead and do it. I don't have $20,000, twenty just go ahead and, and go for it. I think that you can do this. And sometimes that's Great. what I really, you know. Supports the support is sometimes is more important than, than the money because yeah. I was able to, to find the money and open on my first location back in nineteen eighty six. Wow. So you've
1: been doing this quite some time now, which is fantastic. And you know, I, I mean one great thing about well there's many great things about your industry, Raphael, but of course, you know, I mean, there's there's always changes in the tax laws, aren't they? So it's it's kinda hard for like the average person to, to keep up, isn't it?
4: Well, as you know, taxes were created or were intended for people to prepare to do it themselves, pretty much. Yeah. I'm not sure you remember when the IRS used to send the booklet, the book to mm-hmm. people's home so they can do it themselves. But right. you know, with time, all the new laws, the new codes, tax tax codes, uh, things has been getting more complicated. Especially when you start making a significant amount of income, you wanna buy property, you wanna buy stocks, investment here, do this or that. It gets very complicated. That's why they need the services of an accountant. So, you know, uh I just started doing taxes. I remember my first tax season, you know, I, I did about three hundred and fifty clients and then, you know, I started working very hard in the business. And I really, you know, the way I created the business was mostly in a way to provide good quality services. Actually, you know, three three major focus was well, number one, to provide good quality services mm-hmm. to my clients. Number two, uh, to do it at a, at a very reasonable price. And, and number three was right. to contribute to give back to my community uh, in Washington Heights. It was great too because you you came up with a niche, Raphael. You
1: know, and it, 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 I, I teach marketing for um, Purdue University in their global division, and you know, you decided. It, it seems like early on, maybe you know that that you decided to focus on the Hispanic community, and I, I thought that was very clever. And we see like there's there's a lot of statistics out there, you know, even from a franchise uh, standpoint, that there's a lot more minorities going into franchising. So I, I, I thought that was clever. How did how did you come up with that?
4: Well, um, actually, it came natural, to be honest with you. Um, uh, in Washington Heights or northern Manhattan, um, at one point there were like 86% of the population were Latino or yeah. Hispanic. And, right. and and basically, I just started focusing on the Latino community and I started working the business. Um, uh, you know, I, I was able to gain some experience and be able to connect uh, with the, my community by getting involved in po- running political campaigns and things like that. So I got to know mm-hmm. everybody in the community, everybody, block by block, building by building, apartment by apartment. So i plus all the no-for-profit organizations, all the churches within the community. So then I just wanted to be number one, numero one in Washington Heights, and I worked very right. hard. And by the year 2005, I think the business I would say two thousand and three the business went completely viral. I was already doing like around seven thousand wow. tax returns out of one little <laughs> tiny office on Ottawa on, on oh Avenue and a hundred and seventy eighth street in, in Manhattan. Wow. So so from there the the, the the challenge for me was now okay, now I made all the way here. How can I take it to the next level? And right. if I think to grow the business I will either focus on opening what we call corporate locations and I wanted mm-hmm. to open up a hundred locations and I figured out fifty thousand each, that would be at least five million dollars right. that I didn't right. have. And the second option was franchising. So for mm-hmm. me it was a no brainer to say, you know, to go into into uh franchising and then, you know, thanks to a friend of mine, we did a little research on the on the tax operation industry and I noticed that it was I don't know if I can mention then my competitors at that time, the big one was H and A Block, Josh and Zhu, Libra right. Tax. And, and none of them were Latinos, none of them were owned by Latino. Right. And and, and I figure that we had an each, if we just mm-hmm. focus on the Latino population, that at that point, uh, you know, um, they are like around what? 17% of the population is Latino yeah. and right. over 50 million Latinos nationwide. So, so we figured that we had an each, even if, if we just focus on the Latino community, uh, we were going to be doing very well. We hired one of the best franchise attorneys. In the industry back then, um, yeah,
3: and
4: and and he helped us to really set it up, you know, in the proper way, and 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 we established the first. I established the first Latino-owned franchise in the nation, providing tax preparation, bookkeeping, and payroll back in 2007. That's when my taking wow. my franchise disclosure document were approved by the attorney general. So, so since That's 2007, great. I has been you know uh, franchising. And and it hasn't been easy, I won't lie to you, because mm-hmm. franchising, as you know, is one of those things that looks easy, especially after mm-hmm. you have achieved some success in business. Mm-hmm. You figure, okay, if I'm doing so well in my business, then, yeah, I can really run a franchise company as a franchisor. But let me tell you, it uh, it, it, took, it didn't take me long to figure it out that franchising is not easy. It has a lot of moving parts, as you know. It has a lot of moving parts, right. uh, and and if one of those parts is not really working well, then the whole machine, the whole system, is not going to work. You need to have you need to have good salespeople, but in order for you to sell, you have to have great right. marketing strategy to you know to create and bring leads. Then the leads have to work together with with a good marketing campaign. Mm-hmm. You could have great sales people and they're closing deals, but if you don't have a good training team and a good support right. team, then franchisees are going to quit. So it has a lot of moving parts and. And believe me, I I, I built this company with my sweat and blood. It has been wow. a lot of work, but I, I don't regret it. I don't regret it because at least I can tell you this much: in the Latino community, Latino they are like copycats. They they love to yeah. copy everybody else's business. You open up, a, I do You open up a travel agency, suddenly. They are like in a couple of years, like 20 travel agencies right? around <laughs> jumping up a bodega. They're like 20 bodegas jumping up a supermarket. Whatever business you they That's like funny. to copy it. But right, you know, but I've been in the franchising business for the last what almost uh, since 2007, like 12, 13 years, 14 years yeah. already, and and I haven't seen any other Latino that really have established a franchise. Right, and, you know, I mean, any 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 business, you know, so so it's been really really interesting, and I'm very happy and excited that at least the International Franchise Association has recognized all the effort and all the tremendous amount of work that I have been doing for minorities and all diversity. I got, in 2015, I don't know if you noticed in my bio, but I got the Ronald E. Harrison Award from the International mm-hmm. Franchise Association at the That's annual great. convention, and, and and basically even they recognized that that was the first time that they really Give that award to a real you know uh, product of diversity a right. uh, real product of of minority as uh, you know as we are Latinos are in this country so it it seems very interesting
1: it's It's a great story I loved you know when I read about it raphael and i said I said I had to have you on the show w- what does your family think? today? I mean, you know, I I don't know if your mom and dad are still here, but I mean, I imagine you know, they they must be very proud, you know, of of, of all your success, you know, because they were there in the beginning you know, um, I I mean what would they think today?
4: Well, uh, believe it or not my dad passed and and every time I think about him uh, it's really interesting because um, as a matter of fact, right now I'm in the process of writing a book about my story and how I did it Oh wow. and, and and the title the title of the book is um because my father says no
0: one <laughs> wow, story about great.
4: how how an immigrant really made it you know all the way to success yeah. the, the reason why i say this is because my father said no when i asked him to lend me the money you know maybe other parents would have say oh you want to open up a business you need 20 here's 30 here's 40 He's 50 a he 100,000 dollars go ahead
2: Right and, and do
4: well in your business. But 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 because he says no, basically I, I felt like for me it was more like a challenge to prove to him that that I was right and he was wrong, to prove to myself right. and to prove to my family that I, I can really, really um, do well in, in, in the business and, and and you know how it is. You know, I'm the first graduate from college in my family, the first Wow. Really um, having a business, establish a business and take it a, a, at a level that I have. You know, my mom is still alive and she's very proud. And maybe, yeah. every day around this time, she usually calls me to give me, you know, have a great day. And <laughs> and always, you know, give me blessings and congratulations for everything that I have done and achieved. But, but you know, it's one of those things that I, I guess um, I would say a lot of people ask me, man, how come you keep working and you keep doing this after 30, plus right. years? And you are the same person 30 years ago, and this, this, and that. And I say, I don't know. It's the drive. You have to have the drive, and you have to enjoy it. What you do, you have to have passion. And believe it or not, 30 years, 34 years after I started the business, I still have a passion. I still have a fire of really creating greatness, of really creating big, big things, and really helping. For me, honestly, it's no longer about how much money I can make out of the business. It is really finding someone that is really that is willing to follow the franchise system that we have, that is really willing to listen, and, and someone that is really coachable. And, and for me, it's to see mm-hmm. three, four, five, ten years in the future and look back and see how many people um, I have been able to help to achieve the American dream and really build a successful business. That's really what motivates me nowadays. Yeah, it it is.
1: It is certainly. I mean, your story and I, I can't wait. You'll have to let me know, Raphael, when your book comes out, because I, I, would, I would love to read that. And it was interesting, you know, about what you were saying about, you know, your dad, because my mom, she, she's from another country, too. She wasn't born here. And she was dead set against entrepreneurship. You know, I mean, she she thought that I should go work for the post office or something. You know something stable where there was no risk involved or anything like that. But um, it, it's interesting that you know, in listening to your story, you know, that's I think where you 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 got that drive. You know, it's from your dad and of course your mom. You know, and 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 you you just it, it must be a wonderful feeling that you are also changing people's lives when they become a franchisee to Atax because you know the potential that somebody could make. I mean, you were talking about when at one point we had. Seven thousand, you know, clients. I mean, it's it's, it's overwhelming. Um, it, it's really it, it's an amazing story, and and it was interesting too how you added all these services to Raphael. I thought that was interesting because a lot of other tax places don't do that. I, I don't know why they don't do it. I mean, because it makes sense. You have this relationship with all of your clients. It, is this something that you kind of like created as you started the business? So you kind of started with taxes and then you added all these additional services. Maybe you could talk about that because I thought that was interesting.
4: Uh, of course, of course. I remember back in 1986 when I first established uh, my first location at the beginning. Um, you know, remember those $18,000 that my friends from college uh, owned? Mm-hmm. And me? So I, after the first tax season, I collected all the money that I make. I went back and I paid everybody else. And then, wow. then here I was after April 15, wow, I have my own business. I own it 100%. And I said, wow, this is great. Now the question was, how am I going to be able to survive from April on to, on to next January? Right. So then right. that's when I started improvising and, and adding additional business. Believe it or not, at the beginning I became what is called in the Latino community is called like a multi-servicios, multi-services. multi-services. Mm-hmm. meaning I started doing many different services um, right. to, to generate additional income to pay the bills. I started doing right. – I remember I was doing – besides taxes, I was uh, doing um, – I was selling airline tickets. I was wow. doing immigration services, helping people to become your citizens or petition someone. I was typing resumes. I was uh, had like a little printing shop. People could order business cards. I was even doing beepers back then. I remember. Wow. So I was providing like about ten, fourteen different services, but you know, it's one of those things. I don't come from a business background, family oriented, so, mm-hmm. so I had to learn making a lot of mistakes. And ten right. years went by since I was in business, and I saw I saw myself going nowhere. And I said, all I do is just working my butt off just to pay bills, and I don't see myself getting out of the hole. So what I did, believe it or not, someone invited me to attend um, uh, a meeting with business. As a matter of fact, an employee of mine invited me to join a company called Amway back then, uh, which is sure. a network marketing business. And, and and I said yes because I just wanted to say yes to it. And I decided to start attending those meetings. I didn't make any money while I was doing that uh, with business.
3: Mm-hmm. But in
4: Amway, I learned quite a lot because I realized in Amway that in order for anyone to have a successful business, you needed to really be, number one, willing to change. You have to be willing to, number two, educate yourself so you can learn and get better and better and better. And then you have to be willing to teach others. I I realized um, that you need to create a system that that is easy to use, easy to learn, and that system then, have to have an operational manual. That's what I learned from from, from yeah. Amway, and and then and then what I did, I took those experience into my business. And the, oh, another thing that I learned is that you need to focus. You need to really. It is mm. better that people recognize you by be by doing one thing, well than do too many things, uh, right. you No, know, you know that well. So it's like right. trying to they it's better to be what is it, jack of old, uh, a jack of all a jack of all trades and a master of one, yes. something like that. So yeah. I decided to eliminate all those businesses and i say, I want to keep the business that I think that it has more future. And I think your taxes, accounting, you know, bookkeeping, I say I'm going to stick right. to this and this is how I'm going to really take it to the next level. Now, this is what I did back then, not thinking that I will end up running a franchise company. Now, what I, after I launched the franchise, what I learned, I said, let me make it easy and simple. Let's just establish a franchise just providing tax preparation, bookkeeping, payroll and incorporation services, meaning helping people to establish a, a corporation, and then the fees, to open the school. But then my franchisees, I realized that my franchisees, they were experiencing, they were experiencing the same thing that I experienced when I started the business. How can they pay the bill when there is no tax? They also worked doing additional services, like money transfer, like Western Union, and doing yeah. the great, They were providing all the services of which I was not collecting any royalties now. What happened was that I, I I decided to focus on those services, but now this is what happened. I I worked the business, and I won't lie to you. Since at one point I even stopped franchising because mm-hmm. uh, at one point I felt like um, I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't right. I didn't think that my system that I that we were doing we were doing it the right way. I felt like right. the franchisees were no. Some of them were not doing as well as I expected. So I hired right. a guru in the franchising industry to do an I guess an analysis of what I was mm-hmm. doing. Tell me what I'm doing right, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and and he told me he told me, you know what Rafael um, because you've done something that a lot of franchise it takes twenty years for them to, to do, which is to find a good a great franchisee that really understands the system and really do it well. Our right. number one franchisee, by the way, it is from your neck of the wood. It is right there in the in the Lehigh Valley. Um, is that uh, she's out of uh, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Oh, Paola sure, Panetta. absolutely. Yeah, I'm about twenty minutes you know, from in, in, Yeah, 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 in Allentown, and and and, and he told me uh, um, Paula, she is she is a great franchisee. She's following the system. She's doing very well. I'm so impressed the way uh you coach her and she's really and she's she's a great story to tell. And then but at the same time you gave the opportunity to some people that I would have never done it. They don't have what it takes to be in business, they don't have what it takes to build a successful franchise company. Right. So I learned I learned along the way. But I stick to the system and no matter what for me, quitting was not an option. Quitting was not an option, yeah. so I stick to the system I keep working every year, and I'm, I'm believing. And I invested everything that I have, everything, into my franchising business. Until about a year ago, somebody came knocking at the door. When I least expected, I got a call from the tax operation software that I use. They were calling me, telling me that where was I? That everybody was looking for me. I said, What do you mean? I'm in my office. <laughs> and they says, Oh, John Hewitt is looking for you. And I says, Who? They is John Hewitt. And I said, is that the Joe Hewitt, the guy from Jackson Hewitt? Right. And they told me, yeah, he wants to talk to you. Do you mind if, wow. we, give, if we give if we give him your cell phone number? He said, no, go ahead. So Joe contacted me, uh, contacted me at, uh, at the end of 1918, in December of 2018. And basically I got a call from him. He said, hey, I just want to, no, a text. He texted me and said, I just want to schedule a day. I just want to schedule a day with you. So we can talk, you know. Right. But before I tell you the Joju story, I need to let you know that during that whole, dis- I guess, desperation of trying to take my system, my financial system, to the next level, mm-hmm. somebody connected me with a great program um, out of Stanford University in Palo Alto, California. You know, they have a program dedicated for Latino entrepreneurs. Anyone that has a business wow. generating at least a million dollars plus you can enroll in that program. And I, I'm sure that you're Stanford University. I mean, that's a, sure. like a prime, prime institution right there in, uh, in the heart of Silicon Valley. I I, I enroll in that program. I, basically what they do, they have a blueprint, how to really scale up a company. They have a blueprints of how companies like Google, how companies, some of those big companies, YouTube, some of those big companies did it. So they, right. they their, their role is to take a company... From one million to take it to ten million, from ten million to a hundred million, from a hundred million to one billion dollars, and they really they 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 have a they provide the coaching, the training, the learning, the support, even the financing uh, uh, to you know Silicon Valley financial institution, and they have a great program. So I run in that program, and I learned, I'll add. And that kind of opened up my mind that I said, wow, wow, what I have been doing. How come, you know how it is. It's all about knowledge. It's mm-hmm. all about getting the right information. So for right. me I said, you know what, I really needed to take my business to the next level. I noticed that all my, my footprint in the franchise was mostly in the East Coast, from Florida to Massachusetts.
3: Right. And I have
4: been focusing mostly on what we call the I-95 corridor. So, you know, I-95. Mm-hmm. Sure. You know, mostly all of those cities. You know, along I ninety five, mostly right. in the East Coast. So, but I wanted to in the West Coast. You know, California, Texas, you know, um, Arizona. So, so I said, well, I realized now through the Stanford program that the Latino population is not really what I thought. I realized that out of the fifty plus million Latino in the United States, at least eighty ninety percent, like out of the out of fifty million, at least 40 million were Mexican Americans. And $10 for all the other nationality. So I said, wow, this is interesting. I am from the Dominican Republic. It's going to be kind of hard for me to really conquer and really penetrate the Mexican community in California. So I said, oh, why do I do this? Let me open up a second headquarters in San Francisco and let me hire a Mexican-American. Right now I'm the president and CEO of the company. Let me Mm -hmm. bring that person as a president and I remain as a CEO. And he can run the office headquarters in San Francisco. I run the headquarters mm-hmm. in New York. And I just happened to have a a real, a great candidate that I met through my bookkeeping platform called Zero. Zero is the competitor of QuickBooks. They are a company based out of New Zealand, and we have been okay. using them since they came to the U.S. So the guy that was in charge of sale at that point in the U.S. at Zero, his name is Artu Garcia. Arturo, why don't you join me? There is plenty of money to be made here in, in, in the franchising industry. I just uh-huh. need someone that can help me run this company. So, so Arthur joined me in November of 2018 as president of the company. I made the announcement during our convention uh, in November. And it just happened that in December, John Hewitt came knocking at the door, as I was telling you. And then when John Hewitt called me and said, what I want to meet, I called Arthur I said, Arthur, John Hewitt, yeah, the same guy that created Jacksonville, he wants to talk to me. Why don't you join me and be in the call? So let's see what he has to say. I, I have no right. idea. So basically, John here says, hey, I just want to meet you. I see, I have done some research with you, Rafael. I realize that you are numero uno, number one in the Latino, right. you know, Hispanic market, and I and I want to talk to you. I want to meet with you. And I said, well, John, I don't mind meeting with you, but I'm in New York and I'm actually in San Francisco. And John's response was, Super. I'm going to be in San Francisco next week. So, Arthur, I'll meet you in San Francisco. <laughs> Let's meet at the airport. There is a nice restaurant there. And then yeah. well, i meet you the following week in New York. And I said, fine. So he came to New York. As a matter of fact, to that, I met with him because he he wanted to meet in that location in the Bronx. That location right now we don't know. Wow. It is a very large operation. 75 people work out of that location. So wow. he wanted to see, and apparently he told me that that was the number one location in terms of productivity nationwide. And and wow. he wanted to see, you know, the office, see, see it in action and see what's going on there. So he came and and basically said, hey, uh, I don't know if you know about this, but I no longer, you know, John Hewitt was the founder of um, Jackson Hewitt. And as you mm-hmm. know, last franchise, mm-hmm. this is model, you know, went up. I do, yeah. To about 9,000 nine, 9, locations. I guess he sold it for a lot of money. Then he created Liberty Tax. Yeah. And, uh, and then he told me that he sold. his no longer uh, a liberty. He sold his share for a lot of money. And um, and wow. then uh, what he did, he created a new company called Loyalty Brands. And he says basically that company is going to have different verticals in franchises, mm-hmm. in different franchise company. And I wanted to have one related to pack. And then he said Rafael, instead of creating another franchise company that will compete with with H Block. Um, and, and Jackson Hewitt, that is my name. I created that one. And then Tax, that I also created it. So instead of going and creating and focusing on the Anglo market, just, I started looking at the Hispanic market, and mm-hmm. I realized that the only segment that has been working in this industry, it is the Latino market. None of the other segments, the Afro-American, the Asian, none of it has been growing at the rate that the Latino market has been growing. I guess he has people that done all the research for him because I right. was impressed with all the data the, the and the statistics that he has about the Hispanic community. And then he said to me, so he said, listen, um, basically what I want you to do, I just want to join you in ATEX and I want you to be your partner. I think that is a great opportunity for us to grow huge and create the largest Latino owned company in the United States. And I said, wow. Are you sure? What do you mean? No. and then he actually let me ask you this question: Can you tell me the name of a company or a Latino-owned company that you know in the United States that has 500 locations? Right. And I said 500 locations. I said, John, no, I don't know. No one that any company that is owned by Latino that has 500. They right. said 400. They said 300. 200. And I said, John, I don't even know a company that is owned by Latino that has 100 locations. I'm not the only right. one that has been, you know, in the front line trying to get something going, and and, and I'm, I'm barely, I'm not even making it, barely making it to a hundred locations. So Right. So he says, you know what that means, Rafael, that in two years, Atex is going to be the largest Latino-owned company in the United States because I guarantee you that if we join wow. forces in two years, Atex is going to have more than five hundred locations. Wow. That really hit me. It hit me hard. and I said, wow. Yeah. That I'm going to be part or be, you know, owner of the largest Latino-owned company in the United States is, you know, it really brought my mind. So we started the negotiation and the conversation that was in December 2018. By July, uh, in July 15, last year, 2019, mm-hmm. we signed our partnership agreement in which um, um, I became partner with uh, loyalty brands and John Hewitt, He's the CEO of loyalty brands. As a partner, basically located a new corporation in which I put all the assets and everything that I own in ATAX, and he put, you know, capital, and all his resources. And now we are running ATACS. Uh, I'm still the CEO and the face of the company. That was something that John mentioned to me. He says, And by the way, if we're going to be focusing on the Latino market, Hispanic market, he said to me, I am not a Latino Hispanic, so I'm going to have to. Uh, you're still going to be running the company. You're still going to be the CEO. Arthur is still going to be the president. And, and then i just going to provide uh, support. And, and all my resources are all my 50 plus years of experience in the tax preparation industry. Right. And all the years that I have experience in the franchising industry. And then let's build something big and let's help people to be successful in this industry. So since July 15th, wow. we launched uh, now, A Tax, And uh, we, we saw, I would say, about 900 plus uh, you know territory nationwide. So we really. That's incredible. Really really, really, really taking a tech start to another level. And uh, it's wow. really amazing uh, what really is um, happening. You know, I mean, more work for us, which is great. A lot. Uh, <laughs> right. It's a huge challenge. It's a huge challenge. I mean, to open up a thousand locations, a thousand locations, you know, you know how it is in franchising to, sure. to find locations, to set them up. I mean, to do training, support. I mean, it requires a lot more. But, you know, but like I said, I don't have that. Kind of experience for well, my partner, they have done it not only once. Right, he done it twice. He done it twice. Twice. That's he right. Two of the three most successful franchises in in the tax preparation industry. He built two out of the out of three out of the the, the three largest. So 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 he's doing it the third time, and he said, "Hey, man, third time is the charm." I guess so I'm gonna do <laughs> this. true. So it's faster, bigger, and better. Because better in a sense, as now to to reconnect to your question, better in a sense And now we're going to go with what he called a supermarket of services. So here here it was, and now now we're going back into now what I call a multi-service. Uh, John, John Hsu called that uh, as a supermarket of services to be able to provide. Yeah. If you understand the Latinos, Latino in general, they are kind of, I mean, the way we are, we, we like to stick to, to, to help each other. We like to, when we find good service, we just stick to one. We like to go. It's like having that one-stop shop in which that particular person that you trust, that you right. have already a relationship, that you can go and, and get multiple services. And by the way, the reason why Joy is also pushing for this, because of what I told you earlier, is that we both learn by running franchising systems that some of these franchisees, they were providing all the services that we were not collecting royalties for. Now when wow. someone joined in, our our core services are still the same. Tax reparation, you know, personal corporate sales taxes, bookkeeping, mm-hmm. parenting, corporation, those are our core services. For then we have another suite of services that they can provide. But well, the idea is if they want to do let's say money transfer, they want to send uh, transfer money like Western Union they right. have a company already lined up, and we have a system in place that can be automatically, they could be trained, and in a couple of days, they are ready to go to start providing the services. They want to provide uh, um, immigration services. If They want to uh, wow. provide, I mean, we have a list of different, like about 20 different services or 30 different services that we are considering to have them there, and it's uh, up to the franchisee because I don't want it also to spread the things. I mean... But right. so it's all about helping them to be profitable as soon as possible. The goal is for them, number one, to recoup their investment, preferably the first year wow. they can, no later than the third year. And number two, to make money because, you know, right. in the franchising business, it's all about that. It's all about them. It's all about the franchisees. If they don't make any money, we don't make any money. We collect, right. as you know, a percentage or of their, of their gross sum. Right. So the goal is to help them to be successful, to make a lot of money. And, 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 you know, and take it from there. So, so this is where we at right now. It's, it's, it's what, it's such an amazing
1: story, Raphael. You know, what's interesting, you know, as you were telling the story is is how, you know, the opportunity kind of came to you. It seems like you branded yourself in a particular way. And then all of a sudden you get this phone call from, you know, this, this legend in franchising. I I interviewed uh, John Hewitt. He was one of the first interviews I did when we started the show. I think it was like 12, 13 years ago. And, and and I also remember, you know, how he was able to Bill Jackson Hewitt and then Liberty Tax, and and now you're you're working with this 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 person who just understands. Franchising, You know, it was almost kind of like it was meant to be, you know, in, in, in getting that phone call. You know, so it's, it's such an amazing story. Now I, I understand why you're writing the book, because you have so much to tell and so much to share. It, it really is. It's such an amazing story. When you were talking about your, uh, your franchisee, Raphael, in um, Allentown. You know, she's she's very successful. What is it that you look for today? Before you take someone on as a franchisee, are there any particular types of characteristics or traits that are important to you that you know they're going to be a successful franchisee with ATAX?
4: Yeah, definitely. I I learned that, you know, being a successful franchisee is is no longer about how many degrees, college degrees you have. Right. You know, it's not about how smart you think you are.
0: It's not yeah. about
4: how much money you have. It's just about person' willingness of following the system. It's all yep. about following mm-hmm. the system and that person being coachable. Yeah, The person is someone that is willing to follow the system because if you ask me about Paula Paredes from Apex Allentown, and you can Google her, yeah. um, she's doing so well. Look, Paula is someone that, no, she had no college degree. I don't even right. know if she finished high school. To be honest with you, right. Right. she's someone that came to take a tax preparation class, and she wanted to make some extra bucks doing taxes. You know, uh, during wow. the tax season, she used to work in a warehouse in JC at uh, in the Lehigh Valley. And, yeah. and 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 basically, I'm, I was the one that said to her, Paula, you're in Allentown. I don't have an location. Well I asked, Paula, would you like to be your own boss?" Right. And and her her face light up like like a light bulb.
3: And she says, "What?
4: my own business, my own boss? I say, yeah. And she said, let me talk to my husband to see if we'll agree. So anyway, so Paola basically told me from the beginning. All I said, Paola, listen, there is no secret. The secret of being successful in the franchising business, all you have to do is to copy everything that I do. Just follow the system. If you follow the system and if you do everything that I do, you will be very successful in this business. And I remember the first resistance. This is the, the first time that, and this is a very, this is a very cool story that people don't know about it. But let me tell you this: the first, the first resistance from Paula, Pared and Allentown was when I said to her, "I said, Paula, I we identified a great location in downtown Allentown. That is the place to be. Right? It, there is a place that they are renting there uh, between an H and a block, a Jacksonville Liberty Tax, and they are two of the major independent tax preparers. That is, that is, that is the you know, grounds, you know, zero. He says, oh, no, 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 I already found an occasion. I found an location in the Hispanic Latino community that, that have a reasonable rent. That rent is too high over there. And I said, Paula, do you remember that you told me that you would be willing to follow the system and you wanted mm-hmm. to do whatever I say that I ask you to do? So I'm asking you right now, this is the place that you have to rent. I didn't know right. that Paula didn't have a lot of money to rent that space. And then later yeah. on, she told me that she had to call the Dominican Republic and sell a couple of cows, a couple of horses, bring all of that money back to the U.S. Wow. Uh, so she can then rent that space. But look what happened after that moment. Yep. She rented that space. She opened early enough. She did a huge grand opening, invited the mayor of Town And the first tax season, what she did, she took a legal absent out of That warehouse that you were working with JCPenney. And she focused on working that tax season 300%. And she did so well, so well that that little house, she was on the first floor. It was a two story house. They had it for sale for the last two or three years. And because of the economy, that was back in 2008. The guy couldn't sell it. So Paula went ahead from the money of her first tax season and she bought that property. Okay, $20,000 down payment. And she bought that property. And believe it or not, a month later she called me crying, literally crying, that the people from Allentown, the people from City Hall in Arlington visited, pay her a visit to let her know that she have to, that they are taking over her property because something called um, eminent domain. Eminent domain, as you yeah. know, is when the government yeah. decide to build a highway to build That's a right. government property, and apparently that property was in. You know, they built. They wanted to build a new arena in Allentown for a new hockey team That's that right. they were bringing in. That's right. You know, right. so her property was part of one of those lots, one of those blocks that they wanted to knock down to build a new arena. So wow. she called me client, and they said they are offering me, they said they're going to take over my property, and they offered me, I don't know, two hundred or something. Thousand. And I said, yeah. Paula, I, I don't know much about eminent domain, but I happen to have great attorneys. Let me run right. about my attorneys, and they'll be able to help you on this. So my my attorney took over, and they were able to negotiate, and they were able to to literally um, get Paula over a million dollars out of that out of that property in order for her to wow. to really let go of that 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 property, and that was a great deal for her because then she went and across the street bought a brand new not a brand new building a building that if you go downtown I mean and you just Google Apex, Allentown so you can see that used mm-hmm. to be a bank many years ago, and she okay. made that property for $350,000. So that is a great story. So that is all about following the system. When franchises follow the system, they always, always are going to be very successful in this industry.
1: What an amazing story, Rafael. I, I, it's become one of my favorite stories in doing this show 13 years. It, it, it's, it's really amazing. I'd love to have her on the show one day, you know, and, and interview her, you know, because she's she's locals, so you know, she's nearby. I know exactly yeah. you know, where she is. So I, I, I think that's fantastic. It's it's interesting because, you know, you kind of jolted my memory going back even 13 years, we had, um we had Liberty Tax's um, most successful franchisee on the show as well. And he said exactly the same thing. And he was, he was actually referencing John Hewitt. You know, he said how he became the most successful franchisee is he he did whatever John told him to do. And that's how he became the most successful franchisee, you know? And it's just it's, – it's such a powerful story, isn't it? I mean, when you hear it, it's following the system. That's, that's what this whole thing is
4: about, isn't it? It is. It is. It is. And, and, and you know, I, I can tell you I have great – I have been able to bring on board great people, believe me, great yeah. people. Um, they, they are true professionals. College uh, master degrees in business administration MBA, and and they don't do well. Why they don't yeah. do well? Because right. they come mean they don't want to follow the system. They want to reinvent the wheel, and they don't realize right. that the wheel has been in, invented many many years ago. And we tried it, and we put it in into practice, and we know that it works. So don't try. To, I tell them, don't try to change the system. Right. The system, right. It is what it is. I mean, we're open for suggestions how we can improve sure. the system. But the system it works. I mean and Paula is a clear example of that. So when people come to me, oh no, is that you guys uh, this is the world, that was the world, I say look, why don't we do this? Don't tell me because I'm the franchise so why don't you go right and talk to someone like Paula Paredes and sure. why don't you talk to Paula and then see how she did it. How the system that you're criticizing and you're saying that it doesn't work then how come it works for someone like Paula Right. And they exactly. stay quiet because they realize that, <laughs> that the problem is not the system. The problem is them. The problem is that they do know what they are resistant. Everything that is like telling someone, or you're going to California, you know, you have to take, maybe you can make it if you take Route 80 and go all the way, so you right. can actually make yeah. it all the way to California. And instead of taking sure. Route 80, they want to take I-95 because they think that they know better <laughs> not. And they end, they end up in Florida. Yeah, they, yeah, a that's a analogy. great analogy. <laughs> I realize that. Please. Yeah, and yeah, <laughs> they end up in Florida. You know, they end up in Florida. They, when they get to Florida, they realize, oh, man, if you listen to Mr. <laughs> Alvarez, now I have to drive from Florida to California. You know, and oh, that's I what that. happened in franchising. That's really what happened. And those that really complain that they the system doesn't work, that this doesn't work, that they, you know, the system works. Anyway, people are making a lot of money within the system. It's you wow. that work. It's you that want to really change it. It's you that want to embrace it, that want to follow the system and only yeah. have to complain and only have something to say and always trying to figure out ways. way. You know something else that bothers me that in franchising? That there are some people that they spend more time figuring out how to how to, pay mm-hmm. the system. How to steal money right. from the system instead of focusing all of that time and energy in building their own business. Yep. Why yeah. Do that, but well, I don't understand that part. They, uh you know, I, I, I'm learning, I'm learning more and more about this, and I realize that in franchising there is a, it's a psychology, there is like an invisible situation there yeah. that has nothing to do you know, I cannot transfer other people's business success into franchising. I cannot transfer people's, you know, um people um uh, uh education or even sometimes the people that have the more money are the ones that give us the more resistance. Sometimes right. I'd rather take someone someone that perhaps the person doesn't have the money and we can provide it some loan or no financing. Right. And and have someone that is hungry, that really wants to make it, someone that is willing to follow the system, no question asked, and yeah. get it done and be successful and make a lot of money. You know that's really what what, what I have learned all of this year. But
3: um,
4: but look, uh, I I love believe it or not, I really enjoy and I really I really love franchising, and what I love about franchising um, is the fact that I can take someone that technically literally have no future and turn yeah. that person's life right. 360 degree around, 360 degrees right. around, because I'm telling you, I'm telling you, you have no idea how someone like Paula, and I keep talking about Paula because, you know, she's our only one, but, you know, someone like Paula and others within our system, you have no idea how grateful, how thankful those people are for what I have done for them, for what the company has done for them, for what my team right. has really done for them, because if it wouldn't be because of us, they don't have the house. They don't have the lifestyle that they have. It's really right for all the coaching, all the mentoring. Because you know that's another thing. Franchising, you know, uh, success. As you know, success is very dangerous. I mean, you could mm-hmm. take, you could help people and take it to the promise line, and they could get there and they can achieve success. But at the same time, as you know, money. A success. It is a very dangerous combination.
0: Sure, if
4: people don't know how to control it, because exactly, I think people, I see people going going crazy when they making, when they see all the money, when they start right. doing well, and they see that they are already financially solvent, they are making a lot of money, doing well, then they go crazy, then they start, you know, they they go crazy, they start mistreating their wives or their husband or their partner.
0: You know, right.
4: They want to. They want to have a ton of different lifestyle. They want to. They go, People go crazy. So I learned that that's another another role as a CEO that I need to have in this business. I yep. am the chief counselor. I am the chief counselor, <laughs> chief psychologist, <laughs> chief psychologist, chief counselor, that's chief advisor of, <laughs> of our successful franchisees. How's that?
1: That's that. That sounds great. And it seems to me, you know, in listening to you, I that that is. That's your drive today, isn't it? I know you've been very successful financially, but it seems to me is that you seem to even get more joy out of watching people become successful and changing their lives. That's kind of what I get in talking to you.
4: A hundred percent. Like I tell people, you know, for me, look, I I came from, you have no idea. I came from nothing. I have nothing. I came with this country with just a luggage full of a lot of dreams. Nothing, wow. nada. And That's look incredible. what I have, and right. look what I have accomplished. So, so I know what it takes, and I know what it is to be there, and I know what it is not to have food to eat. I know right. what it is not to have money to pay the bills. I know what it is when when you're running a business and and you don't have you have forgot to pay your electric bill and Con Edison, well, the electric right. company show up in your in your office. To cut the electricity because you haven't paid the bill. I know right, my field. I right. know exactly. Experience. You know, I mean, I can tell. I can, I can tell people how to run the business, but it's hard for me to transfer those experience onto they are they are in the same position as you know. You know, it's right. like teaching someone. How do you feel when you kiss when you kiss someone? When, when a kiss. Yeah, right. You know, you can right. explain it. It's hard to, to explain that. The <laughs> same true. thing That's in the business. Analogy. The same yeah. thing the same thing with in the business. How can you explain when you know that you are behind on your rent?
2: Yeah. And the landlord is
4: knocking at the door that they're gonna they're gonna kick you out, they're gonna shut you, you, you know, they're gonna kick you out of the place because you have you know, it's it's tough. So I know what it is, I know where I came from and believe it or not, I always thank God, I always give, you know, Pray the Lord for all the yeah. great you yeah. know, number one for for providing us for providing me everything that He has and also for giving me a great opportunity because I personally feel that has been chosen for what I do and it's yeah. a mission or helping others to be successful. It's just finding those people that are willing to listen, that are willing to follow the system, that are willing to really change their life and really doing the right thing, helping. And a lot of the same thing. The same way I'm helping you, I just hope that one day right. you can help you can help others, you know. And and and, and don't don't be greedy, don't be greedy. Right. It's not about the money. Right. If you focus your money based on if you focus your business or your franchise company based on on money, then then you're not going to succeed because people, yeah, clients can read in your eyes. They look at your eyes, and and they can see if you have a dollar sign in your eyes. You know what I mean? So right. People want to do business with with honest and humble mm-hmm. people, not big people. Don't, and I tell people, don't don't. Money's gonna come. Just focus mm-hmm. focus your business, especially in our business, because that's what I feel. What I do is helping people, you know, to do the get the taxes done well. Make sure that they have any problem, any problems with the IRS, with the with the local government, with the city, the state, with with the permanent label. Just keeping them out of trouble. Just making sure they're doing the right thing. For me I have I have pleasure by doing that, helping people. The money comes after that by doing that, okay.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Let it right. let it come in. But but sometimes people they kind of they they project the business or the franchise uh office in, in for me in a wrong way. I mean some people right. might disagree but this is I have worked for me and this is why I work with someone like Paula and others that I talk to and, and they follow the same line. They they know that it's not about how much money you can make from a client. It's about how much I can help that particular client and yeah. how I can connect with that client to build what I call long-term relationships. It's about that. It's clicking, connecting. Is that client team or recognizing or realizing that you are genuine, that you are real, and that you are there to help them 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 right, days a year. Right, of course. That's really that's really what it is. If you are able to do that with that one client at a time, believe me, you will be successful at least in our line of business. Wow, what an amazing story! What's the best way for our listeners,
1: Raphael, to get more information on uh, Atax? Of course, it's the franchise opportunity, but even the services itself. Are there any like websites you can kind of like direct them to?
4: Of course, www. www.ataxfranchise.com, Com. Okay. Com, and you can. Um, you can find more information about our franchising system. There is a form that you can fill out requesting and information. And we would love to invite you to one of our discovery day. We're going to be doing a tour all over the country, multiple cities from now to the end of the year. So beginning in March, no, beginning in, in, in April, we're going to start doing, uh, this, uh, this nationwide tour. So we would love to meet you and see you in any of those, uh, discovery days, like a presentation about our franchise uh, system, for those of you that understand that concept. That's terrific.
1: I can't tell you how much I've enjoyed talking to you. I've done about 700 of these interviews, and this one has become one of my favorites, Raphael. So I'm so glad oh, I got really? to talk wow. to you today. Yeah, <laughs> you're a
4: fantastic interview. Wow.
1: And you know, I'd like to invite wow, you back wow. as you continue to grow, because cause this has been a wonderful experience for me.
4: Well, um, uh, thank you for inviting me. Thank you for having me. And um, anytime, I mean, I would love to continue. Well, see you this way. I mean, we just joined loyalty brands. I mean, from a Honda, we're going to go to 200, and in a matter of a few years, we're going to have 2 to 3,000 locations. So I would like to continue sharing all of that success uh, with you and, and all your listeners.
1: That's terrific. It was great talking to you, Raphael. We'll be right back with more franchise interviews. Coming up on segment two, you're going to hear what every franchipreneur needs to know before buying a franchise. We're going to play a clip from our popular Great Quotes in Franchising podcast right here on Franchise Interviews.
2: Franchisers, are you looking to reach aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Are you looking to reach a highly educated audience on franchising? For over eight years, Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews as well as get tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show, where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys, and our podcast, Great Quotes in Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919. Hi,
1: everyone. This is Marty McDermott from Franchise Interviews, and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising, Each podcast you get to hear a great quote in franchising. You know, we've been hosting franchise interviews many years now. We've had some incredible guests on the show. Today, you're going to get to hear from Todd Leff, And Todd is the CEO and president of a franchise called Hand in Stone. And Todd has many, many years of experience. And we always like to ask the veterans in franchising – what is your advice to our listeners as far as their quest to buy a franchise? And I thought Todd's response was quite brilliant. He narrowed it down to three questions you should ask, and we're going to hear that right now.
3: Spending significant time out there, you know, really marketing the business, and that's that's where they can add value, um, you know, to growing the business. So you've been doing this such a long time. And the questions I was excited to ask you is, is,
1: what advice would you give to our listeners on buying a franchise, Todd?
3: Yeah, it's a it's a great question, and I I will I, I will give you my three questions that I tell every <laughs> new prospect. These are okay. the three questions you should answer in looking at any franchise. One is, do you believe in the long term growth? of the industry because Mm -hmm. it's very hard in an industry that's flat or declining to claw away market share from other established competitors so I me personally I was looking for an industry that had long-term growth potential number two do you believe in the underlying business model of that franchise because you can have a great industry and and have a business model that doesn't work so you, you have to get into the you know building a pro forma looking at what the potential revenue is and what that would produce and then the third question I I tell people to ask is you know can you see yourself fitting culturally with the organization whether that's the management team that you'll be working with at the franchise the people you'd be working with in the business and the other franchisees in the system do you see yourself being able to get along and work with those groups and and have confidence that these people can can lead a brand forward? So I think if you can answer all three of those questions yes, then then you really have something that you ought to you ought to investigate carefully and proceed with.
2: Franchise interviews from eastern Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to franchise interviews. Franchise interviews.